0: The important thing about the economy is that it keeps moving. If people start sitting on their cash, then things start to slow down. But what about the rentiers, the people making money from having money whilst others work hard to make a living? If we attack the rentiers, is it just jealousy or is there a legitimate case that they are damaging the economy? That's today on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keane. I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome along. Now in the olden days of upstairs-downstairs, when the landed gentry swanned about in their magnificent mansions... And the workers cooked and cleaned in their quarters down below. It's very clear that some people made money just from having money, from having land, basically, and renting it out. Hence the frontier class. Today, the UK chancellor's wife, Akshata Merti, makes money from having an almost 1% stake in the company her dad started, Infosys. As a result, she's now got a net worth higher than the queen at about half a billion pounds. Uh, So the uh, holding in her dad's company is providing a very nice living for her. But maybe that's fair enough because her dad was a self-made man. But her incentive to do anything, to build anything, to employ people is quite small. I mean, she has had an attempt uh, to try and put money into various ventures. But I mean, the one thing they've all got in common, it seems on paper, at least, unless it's some sort of tax dodge, uh, is that they were monumental failures. So she's not putting money money to good use. So, I know the the definition of the rentier class to many people is people who make money from having money by buying property and then renting it out. But I mean, is is uh, what about the the case of the Chancellor, UK Chancellor's wife? Is she an example? Of the Rontier class as well, Steve. Oh, absolutely. I mean,
1: <clears throat> you know, you, you, the father, okay, self-made, self-made man, uh, created the fortune, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's uh, that, that's the genuine. Uh, you know, you've done some uh, some entrepreneurial work, or whatever it might have been. You've you've turned uh, a tiny, a tiny sum into a
0: fortune. Well, he started in- he started Infosys, which is a big IT company. So yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I know. I used one of the many software collect- packages I've I've reviewed over the years was uh, Infosys's database. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and you've got the same thing with, you know, you know, the, uh, well, even Microsoft on that fund, Microsoft, uh, Bill Gates's kids, et cetera, et cetera. Bill Gates, uh, I've got my own opinion about how good an entrepreneur he was, but, and, and, and how he made his money, but, you know, yes, he came out of virtually, virtually nothing, uh, and then is living in a gigantic fortune. So that's entrepreneurial, uh, wealth. But his kids are going to be inheriting it. Mm. And one of my favorite cartoons from Punch, I've got to see if I can find a copy it, has these two, portly gentleman sitting back smoking cigars and drinking port in what's obviously a gentleman's club and uh, one says the other the secret of my success charles is some advice my father
0: gave me as a, as a child he said son here's a million dollars don't lose it <laughs> well donald trump's dad uh, said that to him as well didn't he, he only you know, a considerably larger sum of money and i think by all accounts uh, donald trump even though he's fabulously wealthy not as wealthy as he just put the money away somewhere so uh he's actually more ponzi than ponzi than run but what you've got is people who are making income out of ownership
1: yeah that's that's your fundamental definition. And like in some cases, uh, the people who are uh, uh, you, you'll have people who uh, you know work a second and third job, save enough money to buy a house, become a landlord, and so on. And they can actually claim, in that sense, that they're the landlords, that they're not rentiers, uh, because what they've done is they've turned their their income from from a uh, you know a, wor- a source of working uh, into assets which they then own and they earn an income out of the assets. Uh, and, and they're providing a service as part of the assets as well. So, to some extent, uh, landlords per se rent, but aren't ro- rentiers, mm. uh, but... The, the, as much, but the ones who definitely are the rentiers of the second and third generations of the of the bourgeoisie.
0: Yeah, and it happens quickly, doesn't it? And uh, so Akshata, uh, for example, she did set up a company called Catamaran Ventures. She puts money in... Catamaran Ventures. Oh, that's an exciting thing in the UK. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know what the connection with Catamaran's is, but she puts money in start-up businesses. She's invested £4.2 billion pounds to date, with no sign of uh, the company seeing any of that money back. It lost a quarter... Four Million, I should say. Yeah, Uh, just a small fry for her. Uh, But uh, the the company lost a quarter of a million pounds last year, just in the the, so you know, it seems like it's a hobby uh, more than one to make money. She's got another company that she's a director of called Dig Me Fitness, uh, which was trading insolvent and is now in administration, and uh, another one, Sirocco Private, uh, which had at the end of 2020 accumulated losses of 20 million. Um, so it's not clear how they make their money, actually, when you look at the, the records for this. Uh, well, they clearly don't make any money, So, uh, so but, it, but it looks like it's just an investment company, basically. So so definitely part of the rentier class. Uh, so she's dabbling... But I mean, that's there's, there's an example. She's got all that money that she's spending. Imagine it being in the hands of someone who actually knew how to use it. Well, this is actually we go back to the rentiers, par excellence, and that's that's your feudal landlords from
1: the uh, the, the transition from socialism from, from feudalism to capitalism. They were the main target Ricardo had uh, when you when you look at his uh, desire to abolish the corn laws. Uh, people interpret that in terms of modern neoclassical theory where you're trying to get rid of tariffs, which they distort relative classes, yada, yada, yada. But what what, um, Ricardo thought was that if you have... The trade barriers to importing uh, wheat, uh, corn, and wheat from continental Europe to the UK, the Corn Laws, as they were called, um, then that means that industrialist capitalists, who are the ones who are doing the innovation that he wants to uh, enhance over time, they have to pay high wages. They've got to pay a subsistence wage, and if the if the price is set by imported grain, then they've got to pay a higher price than they would if it was. Uh, they can't pay. They can't buy cheaper grain from Europe. They've got to pay for expensive grain from uh, UK, and that gives more money to people who own the land and less to the industrialists. So his idea of abolishing the Corn Laws wasn't about marginal efficiency and all this sort of stuff. He's saying simply reduce the cost of of labour. Workers will still get a subsistence wage, measured in you know amount of bread they get to eat on a weekly basis. So the bread will be cheaper because you're now buying it importing the in, imports from. continental Europe from France in particular uh, uh, rather than paying more expensive English prices Uh, so the wages fall um, more of the income goes to capitalists and less to rentiers and because of that you will delay the point at which you, you see in most of the classical theory saw a point of reaching a steady state where there's no more growth so uh, and this is a common theme you'll find in the classical school of economics that you you far prefer to have money getting into hands of capitalists than you would to
0: rentiers. Yeah, well, which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Oh. But why do we allow it to happen? I mean, that's that's the issue, isn't it? So if the if the definition of the rentier class is those people who make money from having money, then that it's not their fault. It's 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 a problem, you know, this idea that money begets money is a problem with the system isn't it if i if i mean if i have money and i invest it and that helps a company grow that's a good thing but uh, but if i uh, if i don't do that then 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 obviously it's money that i'm just sitting and squandering so uh, or, or or money that i'm using to make more money which i sit and squander uh, uh, i mean that the fact that we allow that to happen is the problem isn't it
1: well that's that's classically inheritance and uh, mm. and, the, and the thing is uh, uh, the, the power, if you, let's, let's talk about one of my favourite examples, the Australian Packer family, uh, with what, Frank Packer, Kerry Packer, and then Jamie Packer. Is that the right sequence? I think it is. Yeah. Uh, so, so Frank Packer, who had a pretty mean left hook, from what uh, Rupert Murdoch's uh, uh, family <laughs> tells him, a uh, very useful uh, production element in a, in, a, in a newspaper in Australia in
0: those days. You know, bash yeah. up, you bash and up genera- your rivals. and generated money. He was okay. a, he was a capitalist. So he, he, he employed he, he people. To, he produced stuff. He
1: established a very substantial media empire. Kerry took mm. it even further. It was, it was, so the second generation was very effective. The third generation lost money hand over. 50 on more things than you can point a, a, casino, a, a, a casino at, um, a corrupt casino, yeah, yeah. corrupt casino. Um, so you allegedly, you, yeah, but but, <laughs> but the power of Frank Packer and the power of Kerry Packer was so enormous that no politician dared touch inherited wealth, and mm. and that becomes the the the, the 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 reason why we allow this to happen is because the, the rich have power. And so if you wanted to uh, break this down, you'd have to have an inheritance tax being a, a fundamental element of your society. And, and if you think of one tax which has been abolished globally, uh, virtually everywhere, it's inheritance tax. So therefore, but then you wouldn't have had the
0: situation that you just described where two generations of the one family, the second generation, added to the wealth created by the first.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you you would when you look at the way economists justify all this stuff, they say you get paid according to your marginal product. Now there is no marginal product for a rentier, yeah? mm. okay? And so are they leaving out the the fact that capitalism involves inheritance, and we haven't abolished yeah. it. If you wanted to be a, have a genuine capitalist society, you would have an inheritance tax, so we all start, you know, it, it, the surplus you create during your life, which you get to enjoy massively while you're alive gets redistributed on your death through, an, through a tax that, you know, you wouldn't have to be taxed away all the, all you've earned. But, but that, that has been the thing which mainstream political parties have fought most effectively to eliminate. There used to be inheritance taxes. There are no longer virtually anywhere in the world. And that therefore enables, you know, the, the second and third generations to come
0: along and squander it all, as you're describing for whats the name Akshata the uh, the chancellor's wife yeah, who's yeah. who's been in the news a lot uh, a, a week or two back because she was evading tax well not evading tax she was just minimizing her tax in the UK because uh, mm. she was uh, claiming non-dom status in other words she was saying all the millions uh, that she gets uh, in uh, in earnings from from her holdings in Infosys is money earned in India therefore she shouldn't pay tax in the UK on it even though you know she is clearly resident in the UK in that uh, her husband is the Chancellor and uh, the Chancellor of the UK. They're quite insistent, actually, in the UK, that the Chancellor actually lives yeah. in the country, uh, strangely. Uh, so she you would have thought she would be a resident, wouldn't you? And a resident has to pay tax on everything. But anyway, that was, that's a side story. I mean, but it is very easy. I mean, uh, this, this is an argument that's been had a lot in the UK, and it sort of relates a lot to what we're talking about. When you attack her, people say, oh, that's just uh, – you're just jealous of, of rich people.
1: Oh, jealous of rich people who yet to be rich because they're born out of the right, the right mother and father. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of the most Steve. important ways to be successful in capitalism. It's choose your parents carefully. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: so how different and, is this the idea of the Rontier class? So how different is it to Marx's idea – you know, of surplus value that capitalists are making money by charging more for products than they uh, well, not cap- cost to produce In, in the
1: case of surplus value, capitalists are, exp- uh, and capitalists are ex- uh, exploiting workers, inverted commas now, um, and uh, and but they're producing goods. They're buying, they're buying and selling goods. Yeah. With somebody like her, I'm not going to try to pronounce the name in a hurry, um, then you are talking somebody who's making money out of the uh, half a billion Pounds, or or that uh, her father left her when she when he died, Mm. and uh, and and like even if you just have the money in a passive. uh, you know, if you put it in even a bank account to some extent, uh, the passive income is huge. And so she doesn't have to do anything for that money. And in, in many ways, it'd be better. But by the sounds of ventures she has funded, it would be better if she didn't. But this this is actually part of what can give you stagnation in capitalism. Uh, I mean, like, again, the, the Packers are a classic example there. Again, uh, Jamie Packer's first major venture was uh, was funding
0: Imagineering, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah.
1: And that yeah, folded yeah. I mean, completely.
0: You, Okay. Yeah, he's had a. He's he's not got a great track record, has he?
1: No, no. So you're getting people who shouldn't be making decisions, who get the right to make decisions because they came out of the correct mother's womb. And, uh, and and that is a strong argument to say, well, if you're actually talking about efficiency, which is the, you know, the the claim that uh, supporters of the capitalism make all the time about it, it's more efficient than socialism, et cetera, et cetera. This is turning into a form of feudalism. Mm. Well,
0: it's, it's, and and that is, and we'd be better getting rid of it. Yeah, and we hate socialism, of course. You know, with a, with a vengeance. Mm, so so mm. Lenin uh, said, "He who does not work shall not eat." Uh, I think this was uh, at, at, at the time, wasn't it, of uh, w- during the, the Soviet famine in the in the nineteen thirties? But it's actually a, mm. a passage lifted from the from the Bible. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Which is the Thessalonians. 3 verse 10, if you want to go and look it up. Uh, wow, hey, cool, yeah. I like that one. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, but what is work in this day and age? That's, the, you know, sort of managing your portfolio, living off your bonds and your share dividends or whatever financial instrument gives you the best return. I mean, that is work, isn't it? That's a that's a full-time job looking after your money there. Whereas we see, <laughs> I'm being a little bit ironic, but, I we, notice, yeah, but yeah. we see uh, welfare recipients as those who are not working. You know, by most people now would say, you know, look at look at Lenin's definition and say, "He who does not not work shall not eat." Would say, "Yeah, exactly." Bloody dole scroungers, you know, dole bludgers. When they should be looking at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, well, it's both ends, mate. I mean, it might be a bit bit of both ends, mightn't there? But um, yeah, what about so? You talked about um, – actually, let's just go back very quickly to this idea that, you know, you shouldn't have any inheritance. I can see a problem with that because while you're talking about it, you haven't got kids, I was thinking, well, actually, you know, later on in your life, we're thinking about how much our house goes up in value, and, the, and we're thinking, you know, for the kids. For the kids, because otherwise yeah, yeah, if we're going to yeah. die. Why would we care? Yeah, and and, and that
1: is, uh, you know, a psychological level. Uh, you can't reduce everything to analyzing um, behavior in terms of how does it fit into a capitalist economy, uh, because there is a fundamental part of humanity is is caring for your children. Uh, it's 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 mm. a good argument as to why we actually evolve the brains we have um to, today uh, as, as a species uh, that we we had to care for our children. Uh, that got extremely complicated, and uh, you know, all, all sorts of theories as to how the brain developed the scale that it has in humans. But yeah, um, nurturing your children is an essential part of it. And then you can kind of say, well, "We've got this new social system now, uh, where it's all down to what you earn in your own lifetime, and you can't pass anything on to your kids." That that goes against that human foundation that we do as a species care for our children. So I'm not I mean, not at all saying that the, that you shouldn't allow it, but there should be a tapering to it. Uh, if you're going to come back and say this is, this is a, a fair society, because once you allow that somebody like uh, the, uh, your chancellor's wife um, can earn a, an absolute fortune out of money that she was given by her father, um, then you are undermining. Uh, the foundations of that, of that social system. Mm. Uh, it'd be okay to allow a bit of it, but not to the stage where he's got half a billion
0: pounds. Well, it's, it's finding a level, isn't it? The, the problem I mean, it's, I mean, it would be very simple, wouldn't it, to say, well, inheritance tax can kick in at a, you know, could, could be 100% and it kicks in at a certain level. I'm quite happy for that level to be uh, whatever my house is valued at when I die. Uh, but Five to ten. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can no, have the house, that's all they need. Uh, it's not a particularly big house. But look, um, but yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is, you know, if it's crazy money, then obviously... That it, it should be taxed, but the problem is if it's if it's crazy money, you're never going to be able to tax them anyway. I mean, the, the whole point is that... And that's the trouble. Yeah.
1: They, they, you, they, that's why she they domiciles herself in India, getting yeah. a lower tax rate. Yeah. And, and countries have been you know, competing to, to pull uh, you know, the wealth of, if not the actual person themselves, into tax havens because it's you know, lucrative for them to do so. So, again, our competitive nature uh, and the fact that we are tribal uh, at a fundamental level, that ends up undermining any attempt to um, you know to bring in an inheritance tax in a particular country with the, 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 the with the societies we have these days
0: they can just you know locate themselves offshore but they do she is I mean she's just living off her wealth She's not actually, uh, I mean, you think of the, you know, a, a traditional definition of a rentier is somebody who's got assets and they're renting it out, like a home or whatever it might be. I mean, she's not doing that, is she? I mean, she's not renting.
1: Well, no, no, no. In, in, in a sense, she would be because that portfolio would be put with some corporation to manage and she's then doing her own little. Indulgences on the side, and the catamarans and stuff like that, which are obviously a big hit in the UK, given its fantastic weather. I not think. Um, I I
0: think that's just a name. I don't think it had anything to do with catamarans, but whatever it is, it's it wasn't still fun.
1: It's a fun choice. It's a fun <laughs> choice. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's it, it, you know, they, they, they are living off that that accumulated wealth, mm. um, and they didn't produce that accumulated wealth themselves. So you do have a strong argument that, that that if you wanted to make a capitalist society work effectively, you would be returning that to the collective uh, at the death of her father as much, you know, leave her with a, a large amount of money, en- enough to be able to, to, uh, to, to do a roll for the whole of her life. Uh, but if, if she then tries to do something more than bugger all, well, if she's successful, she'll turn that into, you know, a, a working fortune. And if she doesn't, she'll blow it, uh, put you back on your own um, foundations again. And this is the sort of argument you'll actually see that Warren Buffett and 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 ultimately also Bill Gates make about their own kids, mm. saying they don't want to give them so much money that they can just waste their lives away. Um and, and 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 so they they're, they're doing it through a form of you know benevolence, uh, giving their money away through their foundations. Um, but that, that's what we've now got. It's, so it's now the capitalists' own preference as to how the money is allocated uh, coming out rather than a social taxation, bringing it back in and then
0: saying that this money can be reallocated to other people in society. So what about uh, the more traditional definition of uh, rentiers, those people who, for example, uh, own a house and rent it out or own several houses and, and rent them out? uh are, are they doing much damage because you could say well um if you look at, so for example if you if you look at the numbers for the United States versus the UK versus Australia for example the US has the uh, the biggest private rental market for housing so you've got 140 million dwellings 47 million of them are privately rented so that's about a third it's a little less in Germany Japan and the UK but the uh the, the large rental sector in the. US, isn't pushing house prices up. The average uh, property is 370,000 compared to uh, uh, over 410,000 US dollars. This is in Australia, where the rental sector is much lower. And the median monthly rental in the US is about 1,000 US dollars a month compared to 1.2 thousand in Australia. So they've actually got lower rental but a higher number of rental properties. So there's more people there, there's more rentiers or rentiers who are, who, who are owning the houses, but they're not gouging the market. It's actually, you know, they're not making an absolute killing. They're actually making less money than, uh, uh, you know, the, the rental equivalent in, in countries where there's less landlords.
1: Yeah, it's, and, and so I, I see them in you know, that, that form of being a landlord is not being a rentier. In the same sense, because you mm. actually, uh, if you if you do it because you are trying to uh, make a, a profit on the resale value of the property, then yeah, that's ending up in the rontier or the or the Ponzi uh, category. But if you are actually providing a, a you know. Rent rental accommodation and making money out of the rental return, then that is a form of you know you're providing housing services quote unquote, and that's yep. sort of a form of you know, capitalist enterprise.
0: Um, yeah, so which is bloody hard work by all accounts, by the way. You know, by you know by the time you've fixed up everything that's broken. Yeah, you looked after the garden, all the stuff that we all do on our own houses. Mm. When you when you when you renting it out, you got to do it for for how someone else is living in as well. So yeah, it's not it's not easy money, is it? It's not not easy money. And uh, and
1: if you, if you want to look at a developed society that has that on a large scale, you look at Germany, uh, mm. and and that also is partially affected by the laws that apply. So in in Germany, most. Leases are extremely long time periods. I don't know the actual number, but they're certainly in years rather than uh, rather than months, as happens in the Australian market, for example. And yeah. uh, when you when you rent a property, you are you are required to provide the kitchen, because it's yeah. normally thought that the the house will be in somebody else's hands for so long it'll need renovation, and so that becomes the responsibility of the of the renter, not the landlord, to provide the kitchen. Um, so that that's, uh, shows the extent to which um, renting there—you only make money out of the, out of the income flow. You, you give the tenant sufficient rights that they're not going to trash the place, um, and, and that gives you a viable market. So that's, that's, that's very different to being a rentier in the pure case, where you simply are sitting back doing bugger all. Um, you, you've got accumulated wealth, and that accumulated wealth is earning you an income uh, with you doing nothing at all. That's, that's the true definition of a rentier.
0: So what about uh, our companies' rentiers if they sort of build up or acquire a monopoly? So if we uh, include those uh, state-owned monopolies that have been privatized, like, for example, uh, British Telecom or Telstra, or those who by their nature have sort of grown up to a stage where they're impenetrable now, like Amazon or Google, and so they can sort of start devising prices which are based on their, on their market strength. Are they behaving a bit like – I mean, they have been – obviously very innovative to get to the stage that they're at, but do they start behaving like Rontiers as well? I'm, I'm a bit dubious about that argument because a lot of the reasons why monopolies
1: evolve is because they're much more effective than their competitors. I mean, Amazon's a mm. classic case there. Uh, I just, i am like, I'm a lousy sleeper and uh, I managed in getting off the plane to leave behind my earplugs uh, and <laughs> and I bought them off Amazon and they're arriving today. I ordered them last night at 11pm because I... I couldn't uh, yeah. get to sleep through the TV. I could hear through the walls. Um, so, you know, that is an incredible service. I don't think... I'd Pre-Amazon, I don't think I could have avoided earplugs in a day or less than a day. So um, the, the, the 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 way that they're caricatured in neoclassical theory makes it look like they're charging a higher price for the same service and producing a lower quantity. I mean, you look in the real world, it's actually quite frequently a t- totally new service, the sort of entrepreneurial stuff we spoke about last week. Um, and, and they have a lower cost structure, and that's why they wipe out their competitors. But once they've done that, of course, then you have them in a situation where they can, to some extent, blackmail you. And, and then the area that I'd be looking more about the. The, the criticality of the service being offered So earplugs aren't particularly a critical service But uh, health is And if you have, uh, allow a, a, a Rontier situation to develop in health uh, Then you can be ripped off Because you know, you've got a cho- choice you know, Do you want to live or die uh, You're not going to be particularly strong on bargaining On the price of whatever service is being offered So mm. uh, I'm more inclined to look at the actual industry Than, than say a carte blanche argument that monopolies are a bad
0: thing for the consumer But do, do, do monopolies Tend to behave like Rontiers though? Or is they are they poles apart? I'm just trying to see whether there's a whether there's an overlap in how you define them. Well, yeah, I mean it, it depends on the extent to which they have a
1: exclusive market for themselves. So mm-hmm. uh, there's actually an excellent research paper by an old friend of mine I've lost touch, but he's a brilliant researcher, Paul Ormerod. and Paul was actually hired by, uh, I think, British Tele- Telecom. To argue about whether they should be treated as a monopoly or not. Uh, I mean, and he said, so the, with a very good piece of, of mathematical simulation, he showed that uh, over a large number of simulations of a, of a market situation in which you could enter and, and offer a, a better price or a better quality to come as an entrance and so on, as soon as you had two firms, you, you had effectively the same outcome for the consumer that you got from a mass of different firms. So it's just the threat of competition that is enough to mean that they don't price gouge because if they price gouge
0: they give an opportunity for the for the rival to come in right so what, what um, about if they have what I, about if they have something that the rival can't have though so for so if we if we take the telecom sector for example the government mm. sells off 5g spectrum for lots of money uh sells it to a, mm. co- a couple of companies and then says that's it or maybe it only sells it to one company and says that's mm. it there's no 5g spectrum left anymore that 5g owner can now make money in a in a confined mm. market based on Assets that they hold That's getting closer to the definition of a to isn't it? Yeah, and I'd like the my favorite my favorite instance of that is actually the UK rail system,
1: uh, which I mean I, it was even worse than I thought it was going to be in terms of ridiculously high prices and ter- terrible infrastructure and lousy service, and that's that was all done because we're going to make it better by having a competitive market system rather than this sluggish government thing. Well, that, if you've got to get from 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 uh, Bath to London, there's only one train ride, only one rail line you can go on. you either face the traffic, which is impossible, or you hop on the train and pay, you pay a price you're being bludgeoned over for you know lousy carriages and, and unreliable service. So that is a classic case of Frontier. It takes an
0: hour, though. It's quite fast from Bath to uh, to, to London. You've, and quite expensive. it yeah, yeah, all costs a fortune,
1: absolutely. Enough to discourage people from taking on jobs in some cases, i yeah, heard. Yeah, that's right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs>
0: listen to this podcast. All so, that. so, yeah. Yeah, that is crazy stuff, isn't it? So companies can behave like that if they've acquired... Uh, an asset which they've which which stops competitors getting in that's that's and this is one of the arguments why we if it is something which is frontier nature of that nature it should be owned by the state yeah yeah so similarly then what about resource companies you know how uh, you know they oh yeah yeah they, i mean the likes of bp royal dutch shell you know they i mean they'll say oh uh, well you know we we pay royalties uh for for you know a patch of land and we spend a fortune on exploration so that's fair enough but uh you know it's that, but they're not paying. You know, if they if they find if they find a, a seam rich in resources, uh, that they're, they're obviously not paying enough in royalties to 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 justify the the revenue that they're going to make from it. So, how do you control that sort of stuff? I mean, there's been talk about lately uh, in the UK about uh, maybe there should be a windfall tax on some of the oil companies, for example. If you if you make if you are a Rontio and you just make too much money out of uh, the situation that you find yourself in. Maybe, they'd, uh, you know, there should just be a much heavier tax to try and uh, even out the imbalance. Well, you not know, to, to pass the revenue. I mean, which
1: we, which we, much makes the MMT point that uh, taxes don't fund government spending, but uh, taxes could be used for redistribution of income. Yeah, and that's what you should be doing in these situations. Uh, and there are some countries which have done that moderately effectively. So the Saudi Arabians have done well for Saudi Arabians in Saudi Arabia, not so crush hot for all the migrant workers there. Whereas Australia's done an appalling job, and puts almost no tax, and and the uh, and you get wealthy uh, individuals like Gina Reinhart. Um, dominating both politics and economics uh and paying bugger all in terms of royalties uh for the for the because of the power that they themselves have is so great they can actually distort the state's politics so yeah you, you there, are, there are strong reasons to try to restrain that sort of uh you know, resource ownership uh windfall uh, but again, the political power of these groups is so
0: great that we, we we can talk ourselves blue on a podcast. It'll never happen. And I'm surprised, you know, we're almost half an hour in that you haven't mentioned uh, the real frontier class, the banks, because, you know, here they are. <laughs> they're creating money out of nothing. That's pushing that, up the size. That, they're pushing up yeah. the real estate sector, the size of it, which increases the interest payments that, the, that they receive. Uh, so they're not actually just renting out an asset. They are creating an asset. They're creating the money. Which others are then using to buy the property? You can't do that if you haven't got a banking license. Yeah, well, and this is the thing: the banking license is an essential
1: part of being a bank, and uh, and, and and that means that 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 is has to be socially allocated, just like the spectrum has to be socially allocated. You can if you didn't if you had a market free for all, there'd be thirteen stations broadcasting on the same frequency, and, and bugger the consumer would have damn wouldn't be able to pick up a signal. So you've got to have some regulation of a limited resource like this, like the. Uh, telecommunication spectrum, and you also have to have regulation of banking behaviour. Uh, otherwise, you get the sort of wildcat banking that we saw in the 19th century and the, and the disasters and, uh, and 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 fraud that went along with that. So uh, but once, they, once you've got the licence, you've got to behave in a socially responsible way. But what actually happens instead is once you've got the licence, you have power, and that lets you modify the politics in your own interests. And that's what we've seen globally with the banking sector. And fair point for point for catching me out for not mentioning it. Yeah, that is the classic Rontier uh, situation. And only could you justify the income if the investment that they were financing uh, was socially worthwhile. And what they've really done around the world is push up
0: house prices. So what do you think generally the rentier class? I mean, they, they are holding back growth, aren't they? At the very least, that's what they're doing. Because there is this – I mean, for those people who say, well, you shouldn't attack uh, Rishi Sunak's wife because, uh, you know uh, – she's just an easy target because she's the wife of the chancellor. So let's not just attack her. Let's attack anyone who's got lots of money that they're not doing anything with. They are holding back growth, aren't they? Because that is money that could be used more effectively if it was in someone else's hands. Oh,
1: yeah, and also the wealth they have, they'll throw at useless enterprises like that's Again, the the Packer family, um, the Mm. the monument to... to, uh, Jamie Packer is. It's actually his nickname is now. I understand in Sydney. It's Packer's uh, Packer. Mm, how delightful! <laughs> <laughs> you have seen it, or you haven't seen it yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. It no. looks like a ginormous, you know what, right. uh, in the in, coming out of the ocean, uh, out of the Sydney Harbour. Well, it really kind does. of makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, and, and that's 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 what we've got out of all the wealth he got from his, from his dad, Kerry. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a damn side better for Australian society. That money was was taxed away and then given to other people, some of whom might have actually used it in an entrepreneurial fashion of some value, rather than creating casinos that have ended up laundering large
0: amounts of uh, of hot money. Yeah, my, by the way, it's my understanding. I could be wrong on this, so please don't sue us. Uh, but my understanding mm. is that uh, actually the land for that casino was given away as well. He didn't pay for the for that prime mm. prime bit of real estate, which actually – jutted out into into sydney harbour took away a bit of sydney harbour in the process as well mm. so yeah i mean uh, there we are money can buy a little bit of corruption as well allegedly so uh let's finish with an example then this, my daughter um goes to school with uh, a, a girl whose father owned a business which he sold a very successful business he's clearly loaded they've all just been on holiday to the caribbean on a uh on a, on a private chartered flight the whole family So he worked hard. I mean, I think he was lucky because he he got into a business where obviously there was money to be made. Now he's uh, building a very big house in our our town. Uh, He's employing people building that house. I mean, he probably – he said he's going to spend a bit of his time, you know, helping other people set up businesses. Uh, But, you know, I don't think he's particularly busy. Um, so what do you, and, and you know he's probably got some staff. There's, I'm sure they they've they've, um, they've got someone to cook the meals for them and to clean the house. And do we just let them get on with it? Do we? I mean, uh, or do we tax the hilt out of him? I mean, I I don't. I feel like he's you know worked hard to get where he is. So he's and is is he Rontier or do we say no because in this lifetime? He's created a lot of wealth, so he he deserves it. Just he shouldn't give it to his daughter.
1: It's different for the children, and and, and the, I mean, the, 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 if you're going to argue in favour of, of capitalism as a meritocracy, and that's the defence that neoclassical economists make about it, and most political classes, uh, political parties do as well. On, the, on the, certainly on the conservative spectrum, they do. Then you should be you should be in favour of inheritance tax. Mm. And that will never happen because the people who run those parties tend to come out of the same rentier class. So, you know, and the Tories, anger you know, are the classic instance of that in the UK. Um, so the rentiers are hardly
0: likely to abolish rentiers. And I wonder how many of them there are, and what percentage. If if we did effectively control, if we, you know, if them, if the, if the money that the rentiers had was given elsewhere where it could be more wisely invested. I wonder what impact it would have on the economy. Well, I think you go to far far less catamarans that way. (laughs) Absolutely. But, I mean, on the other side, you you could say, well, okay, if she's just dabbling with money, um, you know, and it's as a slice of the total economy – it's only small, then let it get on with it. I mean, what harm does it do?
1: Yeah, well, then in, in, it's a smaller slice. Times a large number of people. There's a large slice of the society, and, and what you get is, uh, you know, uh, people who haven't proven themselves in the so-called marketplace of ideas and products, uh, making a fortune out of creating new uh, ideas and products that nobody wants,
0: and and that that undermines the whole concept of a mm. capitalist economy. Good point to leave it on. All right good to talk again Steve we'll catch you again very soon I can hope now you might have seen my tweet earlier on I said Eve Akshata and Rishi uh, were in a movie uh, like a humorous movie then we would have a uh, neocon non-dom rom-com uh, I'll leave you on that uh, thanks for listening back again next week I'm Phil Dobby he's Steve Keane see you then <laughs>